Hi, welcome to Moments with Marilyn. I'm your host, Marilyn Boyer, the mom of 14 homeschool kids who love the Lord and love each other. I absolutely love young moms, and it's my passion to provide you with tips and tools to make your journey easier. Thanks for joining us today. Last week, we met with my son, Rick, um, and we talked about grassroots politics and what you can do to get involved in the cultural arena. And we are going to continue with that today. So thank you for joining us. As always, you can check out our podcast on Apple, Google, um, our YouTube channel, Facebook page, and multiple other platforms. This episode is picking up where part one left off. If you haven't seen part one, we highly recommend you go back and watch it before this part. Tell them about Luke last year for Bob Good's comparison. Yeah, well, my, my oldest son, Luke, he is about to turn 17 next month. But uh, he did everything from, and last year's convention season for us was historic in a number of ways, complicated, difficult in a number of ways because of COVID. The convention season here runs from about February till May or June. Our convention was originally set for April, and with the COVID restrictions, it ended up getting pushed clear back into June. But all of the delegates were selected by early in April. So from February to April was a, a packed schedule of um, Luke and I would go to the Campbell County Republican meeting or the Lunenburg County meeting or the uh, Danville City Republican meeting asking the GOP activists there, hey, would you like to be a delegate? We hope you'll vote for Bob Good at the convention. Um, and Luke went from just going to meetings to making phone calls uh, asking folks to sign up to be delegates, reminding them make sure to come to the convention. It's next Saturday. You've got to show up and vote. Turnout, of course, is critical. Um, very few people ever sign up to be a delegate to the convention. Very few ever bother. So you're, you're one of maybe 1% of the population. You are one of the most influential 1% if you are a delegate to your local party's convention. 50% um, of the people who sign up don't even go to the convention. So you're really one of about half of 1% of the most influential people in choosing your, your elected leaders if you attend your um, political party's convention. But Luke ended up making phone calls, fundraising calls. Those ones are tough if, you're, mm -hmm. if you don't just like making cold calls to strangers and asking for money. Those ones are tough. But Luke made literally thousands of phone calls. Melody, my almost 15-year-old, made a bunch of phone calls. Michael, my 10-year-old, made phone calls. Mm -hmm. um, they all worked at the convention, handing out the flyers and the stickers, um, working on, I think Melody was working on putting, getting the victory party ready for the volunteers and the supporters after the convention. Um, they, political campaigns are desperate for volunteers. Assembling so, signs. Putting signs together, <laughs> putting signs out. My, my littlest kids, even the, the uh, three-year-old Daniel, insisted on going with me to help put up yard signs, the big four-by-eight signs that fit in my pickup truck. Uh, so right at the end, the last couple of Trump signs we were putting up last year and, and Bob Good signs, I took Daniel with me to help put up the last couple. He wanted his picture on Facebook, too, putting up a sign. So even your littlest of, of children can be involved, can feel like that it, it matters, and it does matter, and they can have yes. an impact even from very young ages. But it's it's very family-friendly. If, if your family can, be, uh, can sell T-shirts for your local uh, Christian college at Liberty University here in our county or can be uh, uh, work for your local band or what have you, volunteering, uh, Boy Scouts, whatever that may be, you can do it just as well in the, in the political process, being a volunteer for candidates or for your, your party of choice, and honestly be a much more fruitful and productive investment of those, that time and those hours. 
I've noticed like over the years we've involved families that we know and, and have them help us man the poles like Rick would have all the poles manned during the hours. But I noticed like I, my job was kind of taking kids around to drop them off to fill in all the slots. And young kids who had never done that before, they were engaged. They said, wow, I really care about this election. I care who's going to win. So you, you actually feel like you're doing something and you are doing something. All right, so what would you say to people that say they're stealing the elections, you know, it doesn't make any difference, I'd, why bother? Um, they are, but it does. <laughs> um, elections are stolen in locations that are close. Um, you can't steal, the Democrats can't really steal an election in Wyoming because everybody knows they don't win in Wyoming. Republicans can't steal elections in New York City. Republicans don't win in New York City. Elections are stolen where it's close. Uh, if, and I'm, I'm told time after time that 50% of Christians don't vote, 50% of mm. people with hunting licenses don't vote, and your Second Amendment rights are under assault. If you don't vote, I mean, if, if you turn 50% into 60 and 70%, the election's not close enough to be prone to stealing. You can't steal an election that's going 75 to 25% in one direction. You steal elections that are 51 and 52%, you can play around the edges enough to plausibly steal that election. Uh, if enough people are motivated, enough people are involved. And I'll, I'll also pass on something. I was at a, uh, at a Faith Wins event. If you've never checked out faithwins.us, I'd strongly recommend it. Uh, David Barton from Wall Builders is heavily involved. They're traveling all over the country right now doing uh, meetings to get churches and Christians and pastors engaged. But uh, what Tim said, he said, we get too disappointed, too discouraged by Washington. And we focus too much on Washington. And one more person getting involved, to be honest, won't change who the next president of the United States is. It really won't. If one person gets involved in each county and replaces their local school board members, their local county supervisors or commissioners or city councilmen, selectmen, I think some, town, some towns call them selectmen, if you replace your local officials, all of a sudden, the people who don't think like you won't have candidates to run for these higher offices because you're going to have all the down-ticket races. Yeah. Um, one church getting active and involved can absolutely dominate politics at the local level if it's a even reasonably sized church. A couple of small churches can dominate politics at the local level. And all of a sudden, like here in Campbell County, we're, we've got solid, staunch Christian conservatives we've elected to the Board of Supervisors, and we're able to move them up the chain and put them in Congress where we can really make a significant difference. But you've got to start at the local level. You can't, I can't wake up tomorrow and do enough to change Washington. There's no way. But you change your county, you change your town, you change your congressional district, you change your state, and the next thing you know, Washington has changed. Um, it's, it's starting at the local level at what you can do. The, what has killed us is not that we've lost one hotly contested and maybe stolen presidential election. What has killed us is that for years we haven't been involved in these local races, getting Christians and freedom lovers elected to the local office, and then we get whipped at the, the higher offices as well. What about, are some other things we can do during the rest of the year? Let me back up one step and still sure. talk elections. Yeah. Um, it, it's something that you can do not just as a family, but with other like-minded families. And I, I should have thought to mention this. Uh, some of my kids' best friends today are friends that they have met after Daddy would go out and recruit <laughs> another homeschool dad. We, at one point, we had two homeschool dads, uh, Mike Rousseau and Eric Zare, on our Board of Supervisors here in Campbell County. Well, my kids are fast friends with the Zare kids and the Rousseau kids, um, and I mean they would they uh, went out with 
the, the children of this other homeschool family to campaign for the other dad for, uh, for public office. Uh, it was a lot of fun in 2013 when we won. It was not a lot of fun in 2017 <laughs> when both our candidates lost. And my kids go from high-fiving each other at one victory party to being absolutely dejected at the, but the party four years it's later. It's the long haul, but, right? <laughs> yeah, but the, they're, they're fast friends today. They're working on campaigns together. We're about to take back one of the two seats that we lost. We're going we're gonna to win that thing again in, uh, in November. Uh, our opponent has dropped out, so that, that seat is going back in good hands in, in November. Uh, but they are the best of friends today, and they've built relationships through knocking on doors, making the phone calls, putting up the signs for each other's dads in these, in these races. Um, my kiddos, actually, when I ran for the, the clerk of court, uh, Luke and Mella, who were tiny, maybe four and two or five, and th I think five and three at the time, appeared in my little TV commercial. Uh, we lost that race, too, but it wasn't wasn't the fault of the cute kids in the, in the television commercials. Um, but it, it's, a, it's a way for like-minded families to be involved, and, and you can do it not just as a family, but as a church or a homeschool co-op or, or uh, just like-minded families. Um, but aside from the realm of, from the arena of elected politics, there's all sorts of other things you can do to impact the culture, to move the needle in, in the public opinion world. Uh, my kids have been involved in uh, pro-life uh, picketing at the abortion clinic. Nothing, uh, no, no violence, but, uh, but standing out there and just holding up the signs and being a witness for the value of life and the fact that Jesus forgives and, and, and that the law of God does say that taking of innocent life is wrong. Uh, to, to try to appeal to the conscience of the, the men and women that are involved and to... to uh, be a witness to the folks driving by and seeing what's going on and reminding them there's a clash between good and evil and that some people will stand. Uh, our, our church is involved every year in the life chain. In fact, last Sunday was the life chain in Bedford. Uh, all of our kiddos were up holding up the abortion kills children signs, the adoption, the loving option, Jesus forgives and heals, uh, just a silent witness to the town of Bedford. Uh, we're getting uh, mostly thumbs up, some other fingers, but mostly mostly the thumbs up and the, and the positive, supportive uh, people going by giving the fist pump and the thumbs up, thank you, roll down their window and holler thank you as they drive by. Um, writing letters to the editor, my, and, and this has sort of developed out of my kids and their cousins all being involved in Republican conventions for the last 15 years or so, but um, they have the little group they call Conservative Teens of Virginia, the CTVA. Um, there's not just the cousins, but other, the Rousseau kids, the Zare kids, others that are they've developed these relationships with over time. They write letters to the editor. Um, one will write a letter to the editor of our local paper. Some left-winger will write a letter back. Well, Mr. Boyer, Adam, my, my nephew Adam will write a letter. He's uh, 13, 14, 15, 15 thank you. <laughs> that, when you have 30 nieces and nephews, it's hard to keep them straight, 15. But uh, <laughs> he's been doing it for years too, so it's starting to run together. But uh, Adam, my 15-year-old nephew, will write a letter to the editor and a left-winger will respond angrily the next week in the paper, well, Mr. Boyer is so wrong on this. Not having any idea, it's a 15-year-old <laughs> writing this letter, and they, they think it's a, a college-educated adult from the, the level of uh, knowledge of the issues expressed in this letter. So then Luke will write back, my, my oldest, my 16-year-old, well, actually, I agree with Mr. Boyer's point that he made, and, and they'll, it's a one-two punch. So the the uh, ridiculous argument the left-wing opponent will throw out in week two will get answered week three by one of the other cousins to, to go back and nuke his argument. Um, so it's, it's developed a camaraderie and a 
ability to express idea in, as I say, a way that blows the minds of adults who have been in the work world for 30 years but have never learned how to express their, their views and their values and advocate for those. Yeah, and it's, I mean, the kids are using good vocabulary. It's so much better than just doing an English assignment that you throw away when you're done. You know, they're, they're affecting change. And I know Dad called once, letters to the editor affect, like, one of the most heavily read parts of the newspaper, that and the obituaries. And the obituaries, everybody yeah. reads. Yeah, so they're, they are making a difference. You know, they are talking, they're having a voice. And, you, and you'll... You get frustrated reading your local editorial page because only the far left is bothered enough to put stuff in the paper. And all of a sudden, three or four kids, and the, it balances out the, the beliefs on that editorial page. But I did a uh, workshop for my law firm. I'm a small solo attorney here in Lynchburg. I did a workshop this past week on what your rights are in the workplace against the Joe Biden vaccine mandate and so forth. And I had one person came up afterwards and said, it's just so good to know I'm not the only one. I'm not all alone out there. The mission of the press, the entertainment industry, corporate America, is to make you feel like you're weird, you're crazy, you're benighted, you're somewhere back in the Neanderthal age and nobody else out there thinks like you crazies. Um, but one of the, the fellows at the end of the workshop that we did, he came up and said, it's just so good to know I'm not by myself. And there were 80-something people there, so he knew he wasn't by himself. Um, a week or two before, we had a, a Lynchburg Medical Fe uh, Freedom Group that did a, a protest, again, peaceful, friendly smiling protests not far from the, the uh, facilities of our local hospital, which is mandating forced vaccinations for all their employees, regardless of your religious exemptions. Fortunately, it, it does sound like they will now recognize religious exemptions. But um, there was a whole bunch of people. I knew a handful of them. Most of them I didn't know, but they'd been driven to be active, driven to get involved. And, and that was my feeling exactly, walking up and seeing all these other people. I'm not the only one that thinks this way. And every Everything I see out there tells me. I mean, we may not be the majority, but we are a significant minority, a significant uh, percentage of the population who thinks the way that we think. And the other team never got to be a majority. They didn't start from a position of being the majority. It used to be that God-fearing, uh, uh, committed families, patriotic uh, America is good, freedom is good, communism is bad. I mean, those were views that were held by the vast majority. The other, t uh, marriage is good. I mean, one man, one woman, marriage is good. Those, the, the other beliefs, our opponents' beliefs, did not become, they did not start out as majorities. They started out as tiny, insignificant minorities of people who were committed enough, dedicated enough, and they were going to show up, they were going to vote, they were going to be involved, they were going to pressure their legislators. Write your legislator. Go to your your uh, your general assembly, your your state legislature. They most of them still have public comment periods. You can go and testify in committee. Uh, I almost got stuck doing that back in the fight for homeschooling here in Virginia when it when it was uh, technically legal but was never recognized as such. And one of our state senators carried legislation to uh, liberalize the homeschool laws. But my dad brought this scared little, I guess, seven-year-old with him that I was going to go down and testify to that committee. I was overjoyed when they ran out of time and didn't have a, t a chance to get to me, but I was prepared. I was going to go down and ask them, don't put my parents in jail. They're good, solid. I mean, my mom was in teacher's college when she left to get married. My dad is a military veteran and a police force veteran. I mean, they're good people. They just want to teach their kids as, as they think um, God sees fit. Don't throw them in jail for this. Um, your, your kids can testify at the, your, uh, your state legislator at, at hearings on issues of importance. 
Uh, they're trying now to do mandatory vaccinations of every public school child in Virginia. You're, mm. If, if, you're, if uh, you're, your kids can go and talk to the, their legislators about these issues, they don't force, I mean, let, let parents and children make these decisions with medical advice, not what politicians make the decisions for you. Uh, there are just, there are so many ways outside of just uh, elections where you can be a voice, where you can make a difference. Um, the, the opportunities are pretty much limitless. Yeah, I, it's, and it's so good for your kids to be involved in the process. You know, in the public schools, they don't really teach civics anymore. And nobody knows that you can be a delegate in some states or what opportunities you have. So, you know, we as homeschooling parents, we need to teach our kids that. It's our job to teach them how they can get involved and not only teach them, but take them by the hand and help them get involved. And there are, when, when your kids get older, if they're actually looking at potentially running for office or being involved in, in uh, politics at a greater level, there are so many opportunities out there. There's tremendous organizations like um, Generation Joshua that's affili affiliated with Homeschool Legal Defense. There is a Leadership Institute right here in Virginia uh, that my, my old uh, Reagan administration buddy, Morton Blackwell, um, heads up to teach uh, that they do seminars on everything from campaigns to campaign finance to marketing to uh, uh, how to pressure your legislators. Uh, it is said that one letter to a legislator is presumed by that legislator to represent the votes of 50 people because so few people ever bother to write to them or, or call them or, or be in touch with them. Better yet, if you can take a day, travel to your state capitol and see them in person, then they will know. And, and most importantly, most importantly, find and support and be, if necessary, candidates to run against them. Because in the end, politicians respect nothing more than they respect. Or the, they're, they're, they're not moved or motivated by anything like they are fear. Um, conscience in the end is great for some of them. Um, friendship is great for some of them. What motivates a politician is fear. And if he is afraid you have the resources and the tenacity and the dedication to throw them out of office, then they'll listen to what you have to say. If, if your local school board won't pay any attention to you on mandatory vaccinations or transgender bathrooms or uh, uh, critical race theory in the schools, run against him. Replace him. There are so many resources that are uh, available. I mean, I've run for office twice here in the county. I'm one and one so far, um, but have helped to recruit and elect um, numberless uh, <laughs> other conservative candidates for local office in our county and surrounding counties and, and Congress and so forth. Um, be happy to talk to you. Be happy to give you the resources and, and put you in touch with folks in your state who can give you uh, what's, what's needed to do this. Uh, other things, you're, as, as your kids are looking at careers, consider uh, law. And I, I went to Liberty University School of Law, which I highly recommend. There are other great uh, conservative law schools, Regent University in Virginia Beach, uh, other great schools as well. Uh, the, the Catholic faith has some terrific law schools uh, that, that are out there as well. Um, but go to law school, learn the law, ad advocate on the law. I'm involved right now with cases uh, against forced vaccinations, cases uh, defending the Second Amendment rights, cases defending parents' rights against uh, departments of social services trying to take children out in uh, sort of cooked up abuse situations that are not really abuse. Um, as a contractor in my, uh, my previous life, if you will, I couldn't do anything about those. As an attorney, I can send them a letter and say, if you don't come back in line, here's what the law says and we'll see you in court. Um, there are, uh, you, you can run for office, you can get involved in the legal affair, get involved in marketing and public relations. Um, homeschool kids can help 
um, put together podcasts like Moments with Marilyn, which some of my, my mom's grandkids helped with to actually produce the podcast. Um, there are a number of, I mean, I've got some friends that are a lot younger than me at 47 years old who have very influential podcasts that are, are I mean, a lot of you all have seen Matt Walsh. Matt's younger than me. Um, some really terrific um, podcasts that, that reach a large number of people to talk about uh, biblical issues, and some of them are more theological than political, but issues of God's truth in a corrupt culture that desperately needs to hear it. There's just, as I say, limitless number of ways that you can be involved. That's great. Rick, can you give them like your email address if somebody wants to contact you for sure. specific questions? Sure. It's, um, it is Rick Boyer Law. That's uh, Rick Boyer, R-I-C-K-B-O-Y-E-R-L-A-W. So rickboyerlaw at gmail.com. I'd be happy to uh, take an email, respond with a question. If Especially if you like to run for office, I'll find out which state you're in and put you in, in, in touch with like-minded folks in your state who can help. Uh, if you're interested and in, in don't want to run yourself, but you have other like-minded folks that you would like to support and, and just don't know where to find them, uh, we can certainly help you to, to uh, find those opportunities and would, would love to. Great. And Rick mentioned HSLDA. I really encourage you to join HSLDA. We get taken to court before there was an HSLDA. And HSLDA is a bulldog out there defending homeschool freedoms. And you can bet the left does not want homeschooling to continue. So, you know, join HSLDA. And I think in a future podcast, I will try to get my three older sons together. And we'll tell you our story about when we were uh, prosecuted, prosecuted for homeschooling, for homeschooling yeah. back in 1980. But anyway, that's for another day. We're out of time today. So thank you for joining us today, Rick. Thank you so much for being with us. It's a pleasure. Absolutely. And I would just repeat 200 years later what Mr. Franklin told us. That he, they've given us a republic if you can keep it. And, it's, and consider the finger pointed, the Uncle Sam <laughs> finger, I want you. Uh, if if uh, we, we are beyond the point in this country where we're going to be able to change it if we leave it to someone else. Uh, it's going to have to be something that each one of us takes as a personal responsibility. There's a verse, and I forget the reference. My dad would know it, but where um, one of God's prophets is telling Old Testament Israel. He says, um, I sought for a man among them who would, who would make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it. And it's four of the saddest words in the Bible when the prophet says, but I found none. Um, everybody thought somebody else was going to do it. Um, God would have spared Sodom for ten righteous. Uh, there's more than ten righteous people still left in this country and in your town and in your state that are waiting for someone to tell them, I can make a difference. So um, God's waiting for you, and I would encourage you to answer that call. Don't assume he's talking to somebody else, because he's not. He's calling for you, and, and he needs you. He needs your family. Um, and Mordecai said to Esther, and she was afraid. She was afraid. She was facing capital punishment. She was walking in to break the law, knowing that if he doesn't extend that golden scepter, I'm done. And and, and Mordecai said to her, she was afraid, and, and she was not. She was out of power. I mean, she was not in the the, the politically powerful here. Uh, she's going in to break the law, capital crime, trying to save her people who are in a tiny little minority. And uh, Mordecai said to her, perhaps God has called you to the kingdom for such a time as this. Instead of looking at life through fear, instead of looking through life through uh, unbelief. Uh, Look at life as Esther did. She was afraid to. But as, as uh, my favorite movie star John Wayne said, courage is being scared to death and saddling up anyway. And Esther saddled up anyway. Um, she, she took Mordecai's wise advice that she was called to the kingdom for such a time as this. 
If God did not have a purpose for you being here in this place in this time, he wouldn't have put you here. Uh, figure out what that purpose is. Um, assume it's there and, and uh, I encourage you to follow it and he will bless it. And freedom's at stake and your kids and are your kids and your beyond grandkids. your, yeah. The, my grandfather, my mm -hmm. mom's dad, fought the Japanese in World War II so that, to preserve freedom for us. My dad was in the military in uh, Vietnam, never got called overseas, but was in the Air Force there in Vietnam to make sure that freedom was protected. I was never in the military, but my calling, as I've always felt it or believed it to be, was to be involved in trying to preserve freedom in the, uh, in the political and, and legal environment. God's called each one of us to make a difference. Just as he's called each of us to go into all the world and preach the gospel, he's called each one of us to be involved in making sure that to our, the extent of our ability that his will is done on earth as it is in heaven. That is a charge to keep. That's a mission to occupy until he comes, and we've not done the greatest job as Christian America of occupying until he comes. You cannot simultaneously surrender and occupy the same territory. He never calls us to surrender. He calls us to occupy. So I would encourage you to take that as a personal call and a family call. We're going to occupy until he comes, and uh, he'll be accountable for the results, but let's make sure that uh, you and I are not uh, accountable for having failed to do our duty. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Ray. Happy to be here.